The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. On this week's edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we discuss spending in MLS. Is there a correlation between big spenders and success? Kenny Price joins us from the 19th minute to discuss FC Dallas news on and off the field. And finally, VAR has some controversy this week in MLS. We look to discuss those as well. All this on this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Hello and welcome to Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. I'm Steven Jodoran. Across from me is Armand Kafai. Howdy, y'all. How we doing, folks? Episode six, right? Yeah. We've made it through six episodes. Six episodes. And boy, is this going to be a controversial one. Yeah, I mean. VAR lit it up. But uh, that will be our third segment, listeners. Our final segment. Our final segment. First, we're going to talk about the spending in correlation to MLS. Success. Success. Do you think, without looking at in the research or knowing what you know, did you do you think it actually correlates? Like like you see PSG, for example, is a perfect example. Spend, 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 Manchester City, spend, 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 and success eventually does follow. I don't think it's like that in MLS. I think it's more on a moderate scale. If you spend a little bit, you'll be fine. But I think the restraints on the salary cap and whatnot, there's a lot more it's a lot more parity compared to those leagues. Mm, okay. If that makes any sense. Sure. So but let's the MLS player payrolls were released April. So right. it's been a couple of months. Mm-hmm. As of two thousand seventeen, do you know who number one is? Giovinco, is it not? It's Geront Toronto. Not oh, player. Oh. This is team, team payrolls. Yeah, team Toronto, Teams. yeah. So then you have NYCFC, Orlando, Chicago, LA round out the top five. Right. But if you look at the standings, Toronto, NYCFC, Chicago are all on top of the Eastern Conference. Right. If you look at the Western Conference, it's the Dynamo, Seattle, Sporting KC, and FC Dallas, although FC Dallas does have two games in hand, so you have to throw them in there. But those clubs, on the other hand, FC Dallas is... spenders. You know, yeah. FC Dallas is... 17th. Mm-hmm. The New York Red Bulls, who are actually 4th and East, are in 14th. Um, Houston at the bottom of the league. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think a 
substantial amount of spending is needed for MLS success because of the restraints he had with the salary cap and yeah. whatnot. Sporting KC 16th, right? But you know that that's just the sample. The sample size is only of this year. So if you if you continue back to, for example, 2016 payrolls, what were they? Toronto, NYCFC, LA, Orlando, Seattle. Again, round out the top five. Colorado that year when Jermaine Jones was there last year was they six. Went to the conference final. Yes, they were in conference final. At the bottom of the league was Dallas, DC, Columbus, and Chicago. But at the, if you look at the standings, guess who was first? It was Dallas, then followed right. by the Colorado, then the Galaxy. In the Eastern Conference, it was the Red Bulls, NYCFC, and Toronto. Okay, fine. Extend that to another year, 2015. Toronto, LA, NYCFC, Orlando, Seattle, Sounders. What were the standings then? Again, New York Red Bulls were at the top. Yeah. But guess who was spending more? It was their, their rival, NYCFC, and they finished Outside the playoff they didn't make picture, the playoffs that year, right? no. Dallas was in first place in the Western Conference, and they were nineteenth, actually ahead of the New York Red Bulls. So it's it's a mixture of spend and not spend. Like I feel like you either are one extreme. Yeah, you, you are at the bottom, spend a lot or you don't spend. If you spend somewhat, you're in the middle. That's weird. That is that's really weird. I mean, but. It's a structure of the MLS, the salary caps, and trying to keep parity and whatnot. Yeah. No, but I don't know. It's really interesting because I think now as as the league progresses, you are going to see more the spending to increase. Obviously, you saw with the, the, the transfer Paul Ariola, 3 mil. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that, that's Bella coming also. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All these big names coming in. That is increasing the, the amount of money that – clubs have to spend on their on a payroll and it's not fair because if you look at the the player payroll of 2017 sebastian giovinco makes or is it kaka kaka is the most exp- gets paid the most and it's uh about six and a half mil at six and a half mil that is more than fc dallas new england minnesota dc montreal houston spent on their pay- team as a whole and here's the thing how's orlando's on the field success been slacking it's, it's not it's not it's not been as good as some of those teams down there no it's a really hasn't. interesting case study to think about but do you do you think that you need to spend more as a team i would strive to spend more money and i think the league is pushing that way especially at the new contract with adidas that new $700 million uniform deal, more money is coming into the league now than ever. Those expansion fees that will be coming in shortly, the league is going to be having more money than ever, and they're going to give those to those teams for them to spend. That's why you have GAM, TAM, all those like weird acronyms implemented. So the league is going to be spending more. I think the league needs to spend more on those mid-tier players, not the biggest, not the worst, but those mid-tier players, players that make up the depth and whatnot. That makes any sense. No, it does. And if you look at player salaries, Kaká, Giovinco, Bradley, Pirlo, Va, uh, Villa, Dos Santos, Schweinsteiger, out the door, Dempsey, on and on and on. It's only a handful of clubs. Right, exactly. Orlando, Toronto, NYCFC, LA, Chicago, uh, Seattle, because Portland, Because what big name does Colorado. live in New York or LA? Yeah. Why yeah. would they want to go to Columbus? I mean, no offense to Columbus. I mean, I, would say, I could say the same thing about Dallas. But or, I mean, Colorado for yeah. to an extent too. Yeah, I mean, no one really, no 
big name really wants to go to those clubs. No, not at all. And if you think about it, and you really, really mess around with it, is 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 the on field success of, of spending money there to a degree? Like, but you don't have yeah. to. The thing is, New York Red Bulls and FC Dallas have the two best academy programs. Right. Exactly. So. What are you, if you take those out, then suddenly the spending does become important. It would have to be. Right, but you, the question is, should you be spending for these big names? Kaká, Giovinco, Bradley, Pirlo, Villa, Schweinsteiger. If I was an MLS general manager and I was looking to make the most successful team on and off the pitch, key thing is on and off the pitch, I would go for one of those stars but I'd throw in a young South American, kind of like a mixture of what Chicago's done by bringing in, let's say, a Schweinsteiger, and what Atlanta has done by bringing in those younger South American players. Because in the end, those younger players are going to be the ones that are going to be the face of the league sooner or later, to be honest. I mean, Atlanta's eighth in 2017 when it comes to team uh, payrolls. With the payroll, but I mean, they also spent a lot of money trying bringing in Al Moreau and, and yeah, Martinez yeah, 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 and Villalba. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, but the pro you have to look at it this club exposure for Toronto, NYCFC, Orlando, and now Chicago, LA, though them Seattle, Portland. There are and, always the games on national TV and Atlanta now. Though literally, that's the list of of the highest spending clubs. What do they all have in common? They're relatively successful. Big market. Uh, besides for Orlando and L.A., uh, successful big markets, soccer-based fans. I mean, right. true passionate fans. And they're on national televi- uh, television. That's brand exposure. So Toronto probably is making up quite a bit of that money with, when it comes to, and, to yeah, ticket and sales. Stadiums and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And and you want that ex, uh, that success to continue on, on through the playoffs. Right. Toronto made it to the uh, MLS Cup. MLS Cup. NYCFC uh, made it. Lost to Toronto, Toronto in the semifinal. Uh, Chicago. We'll see what they do, and we'll see what happens because Colorado is a perfect case. They spent a lot of money last year, and yeah, they got to the conference final. But look where they are this year. Yeah, Colorado's an interesting case. I mean, but I they thought, lost Jermaine yeah. Jones, and that that. Puts them literally right in the middle when it comes to MLS spending. Really? Yeah. Wow. So even with Gashi and Howard, and Howard is one of the top. Howard makes like is the eleventh most uh, is the highest eleventh highest paid player in MLS. Really? Yes. For a goalie, that's as a goalie. That is interesting because I can name some goalies that are maybe not as good as Howard, but up there. And mm-hmm. wouldn't be worth one million. So, as as a as a MLS owner, let's put our let's put our MLS owner or GM role because it's the owner that pays the check, right? If you are paying Kaka six and a half, let's say six and a half. Now it depends on bonuses and all that, but the base salary is about six and a half million. Is it worth it for Kaka? I would say no. No. Okay. Sebastian Giovinco, five and a half. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Michael Bradley. For six mil, I would say so. Yes, Pierre Lowe for five and a half. No way. David Villa for five and a half. Absolutely. Uh, Giovanni dos Santos for three and three fourths quarter. Yes, for his off the field marketing and whatnot that he could do with it. How is Giovanni listed six and Bastian Schweinsteiger who makes? Oh, Giovanni dos Santos gets paid a lot in bonuses. 
Yeah. The base salary is only three point seven five, but when it comes to actual cash, it's five and a half. Yeah. Schweinsteiger, I would say yes as well. Out the door for yes. about five. Yes. Clint Dempsey, three point two. Yes. So it's weird because you do the spending is worth it when it comes to these players are the most marketable players in exactly. MLS, and that's and that's why I that's why I said if I was a GM, I would get at least one of these players for on and off the field success, but. You can't load yourself with players of designated player. Like, you can't load yourself with, like, I would say Kaka Dempsey. And let's say, let's throw in Michael Bradley. I don't think you can have all three of those. You I mean, what? I'm not saying have all, like, playing style-wise. But just, like, it just I don't think it mesh well, if that makes any no, sense. No, it doesn't. And what's crazy is Colorado, for example, they have the 10th highest payroll. But two players are making about three mil. Who three and a half mil. Gashi. Gashi's making one and a half. Timmy Howard is making about two. When it comes to to Colorado, it's seven point two. So at the math, so two players command about forty percent of what they're paying their players. That is something the MLS has to get rid of. As Major League Soccer continues to grow, you cannot have players make millions of dollars, and then you have a player who's making fifty k. Yes, and I, it, that's why when you when you look when you look at a lot of. Uh, the Liga MX MLS matchups, you look at them, just look at them, and you see that maybe one through maybe one through ten, the teams are really competitive with each other. But outside of that, like the substitutes, the reserves, they don't even compare. Why? What do you mean? They don't really compare. As in, look look at them, one through ten MLS and Liga MX, they'll be competitive. But put in the reserves, put in the bench, put in the backups. There's no depth in MLS. Let's be honest here. I don't think there's any depth in MLS. Mm-hmm. Now teams can have sides with a lot of depth, but name one team that could keep up depth-wise uh, if an injury if an injury crisis depleted them. I mean, honestly, nobody. These players are so vital, especially the big ones: Sebastian Diavinko, Michael Bradley. And it's becoming interesting now. You're seeing a shift, obviously, the last several years away from the older European players to younger South Americans. Right. Look at Atlanta United. What do they do? They go out. They got Al Marone. They got Villalba. Exactly. They're spending all these youngsters. They're spending this money on the youngsters. Now, the question is success. What is success in Major League Soccer? Is it making the playoffs? Is it winning the Supporter Shield? Is it winning MLS Cup? What is the most important Aspect when it, to success in Major League Soccer. I know it's the same for you. It's the same for me. Let's say it together on three. One, One two, three. MLS, MLS Cup. Cup. Okay, thank you. So the Supporter Shield is meaningless. The The U.S. Open Cup could be something fantastic. But right now, it's, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Right now. These, do, do, what does the winner get? Like 50K? I think it's 250K. 250K? 250K and a uh, CONCACAF Champions League spot. So yeah, okay, maybe it's a little bit more, but the two hundred fifty k is is nothing. Yeah, and you know MLS doesn't really do much to not MLS. I'm sorry, US, US soccer, soccer. US soccer. Yes. I'm sorry, doesn't really do much to help promote that cup because I'm telling you, if a lot more people had known about that Christos United and that bar team that made that that run and played DC United and scored a free kick and was up one zero, I'm sure a lot more people would have. You know, maybe tuned into it or something like that. It's, it's those stories that would make it so prestigious. But let's go back to the, the spending and whatnot. If teams aren't getting compensated enough to, you know, spend 
and you know compete in these cups there's there's no incentive for them because there's only one incentive in MLS it's just win the MLS Cup so why should they go all out to win the US Open Cup well and, and the MLS Club, Cup is definitely important for 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 a brand especially oh, yeah. now more than because anything. internationally no one cares if you put the supporter shield no one cares. Nobody if you won the Open in Cup. Major League Soccer cares who won the Supporters Shield last year or the year before or the year before that. Can you name me the last three Supporters Shield winners? Well, I, I can name two: Dallas, Red Bull, and Seattle. Was it Seattle? I think it was. Now that's going back to what? 2014. 2015. No, 14. You're right. Sorry. It was Seattle. Yeah. Well, see, I can because I'm MLS genius. But, well, I mean, okay, we also host a soccer podcast, so let's be honest here. <laughs> but, I mean, the casual fan's probably not going to care. No, why would you care? Why would you care? That that was the biggest gripe. FC Dallas might have made a, may have had a successful season winning two trophies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all credit to them. They they played superbly for the regular season. And then when playoffs came around, but, but, then, but the playoffs down. came out, and that's what people cares. It, my example is the 2007 New England Patriots. Yes, they went 16 and 0, but did they win the Super Bowl? No. So who cares about the 16 and 0? Right. It's not an accomplishment. Okay, sure, it's an accomplishment in the 16 and 0, but at the end of the day, what does it matter? It's the New York Giants who won the Super Bowl. Right. It's the th- fact that Seattle Sounders won MLS Cup and FC Dallas at home watched them. Right. Uh, and and every year it's like that. The supporters shield champion never ever goes on to to really win the MLS Cup. It's about twenty five percent. It's such a weird trophy. Now that I think about it, it's such a weird trophy. Well, and, and when it comes to success, it's there's no correlation really between the two. No, not at all. It's about twenty five thirty percent that actually go on to do the double. Right. So, and a lot of the supporter shield winners used to be. I mean, you have to. It was early on in the league. Where they had a lot of those winners, and then LA, LA is one of those that do often do the double, but right. they also had I don't know they also spent ridiculous amount of money. Yep. Beckham, Donovan, Keane, and success came. So if you're a major league soccer club and you're an owner and you're an expansion club, you have to think about okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to sit and not have a payroll? Well, if you don't have a payroll, look at Columbus, FC Dallas, Colorado, New England. What are they all struggling in more than anything is a fan, fan, right. fan mm-hmm. attendance. I think New England's a weird case because of the location of being in Foxborough. That is way out of – that is 40 minutes from Boston. And you're the, and you're the uh, Massachusetts uh, native. so Yeah, so it, it's – You know it's, about this. Well, it's really hard for these uh, – for the, the club to, to – attra- they do attract more, of, more people than FC Dallas does. And FC Dallas is surrounded by McKinney, Frisco, and Allen, Texas, and their whole – about half a million people. Okay. What about New England? New England, Foxborough is, I mean, it's really in the woods. Really? But FC Dallas is located in a city. I mean, you could you could drive 10 minutes to go to the stadium, and you, you could sell it out. The problem is, look at Chicago. It's a perfect example. They sucked last year. They were terrible. They were God terrible. Awful. They got Bastion Schweinsteiger, and suddenly they have a fan base that that's excited to go to the games. It's, they spent money to improve their team. Let's not forget Nikolic as well. Yes, the forward. He's and then uh, Dax McCarty and Janino. A calm. I mean, they're, they're a talented squad. So the spending in Major League Soccer needs to be there. I think MLS needs to push for spending because what do the best clubs have? They have the best. They're in a big market, but they have fan bases. They're they're, nationally, they're internationally known. FC Toronto 
is known. Toronto FC. Uh, Toronto FC, sorry. So I used to saying FC Dallas. <laughs> but Seattle Sounders, they're known. LA Galaxy, they're known. To- Orlando is known. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 there. It really it really is and I mean, like I said, like I said towards the beginning of the show, hopefully with the new injection of money that's coming in through MLS that they'll give more teams the GAM, TAM, whatever the RAM, MAM, whatever they have. Whatever, whatever it is. It is are, the most hopefully complicated they give them more. thing. If you're a GM, you have to really know what try, you're doing. Try doing it in a football manager. It's really hard. Oh, they, they actually have the MLS? Yeah, they do. It's really hard. I, I quit. You quit? No, yeah. What a quitter. Um, but speaking of one of the most successful clubs in recent years has been FC Dallas. Yep. And we are a Dallas-based podcast. So, but we're not biased. We're not. You are. Um, oh, no way. So up next is Kenny Price <laughs> from the 19th Minute. We're going to talk about FC Dallas issues on and off the field. But throughout the show, in future episodes, we're going to pull somebody who's more uh, club-oriented to discuss the issues that they're facing. Uh, we had uh, Jeff talk a little Minnesota this this week is FC Dallas. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. Kenny's a great guy, so I'm yeah, excited. We're excited. So that's up next. Joining us right now is Kenny Price. He's co-host of the 19th Minute Podcast, a podcast that covers FC Dallas. Kenny, how are you today? Pretty good, guys. How's it going? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. Glad to be on. Awesome. Well, you were just telling us you had a great FC Dallas story. Now I want to hear this. We got to hear this. I want to hear it now. Oh, it's how I became a fan. So um, I grew up in Mississippi, which is obviously not a soccer hotbed. <laughs> and uh, I don't think they know what soccer is over there. To be fair, there's one MLS player current MLS player that's from Mississippi and that's Marlon Harrison from Jackson, Mississippi. And there's, I, there's a reason I know that. Um, so I was living, out, I was living outside of Memphis, which is uh, South Haven, Mississippi. And I had been a Euro snob for years. I'm a United fan. I've always followed United been a Euro snob. MLS sucked all that, and that. And then one day you kind of just realize, I'm like, you know, this is our league. This is, uh, this is the league we have. It's not perfect, but it's ours. So I'm like, you know, for me, it was important to pick my team based off my location. Right. I've that's always been a big thing for me. Okay. So as it turned out, Frisco was about twenty miles closer to me than Kansas City was. <laughs> what's 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 funny now is if I made that same decision today, I'd I'd have went I'd Atlanta would have been my team. Ooh. I'd lived in Atlanta for a little while as a kid. Oh, man, it's that's fu- a are you. It, it, I was to say, are you, are you disappointed that you didn't make your decision today? No, no, no. I'll still support Atlanta. Uh, that's just I grew up a, a couple of years. I grew up in North Atlanta, so uh, I still they're my Eastern Conference team. I can have an Eastern Conference team. Yeah, mine's Orlando City because you know um, Tom's wire. Exactly. Armand bought a, a freaking jersey. I mean, he was so hell bent on loving that guy and supporting his favorite player. I love that guy. Nice. Hey, I like Dwyer too. Um, so. I was living around Memphis, South Haven, and then I really didn't like the area. I decided FC Dallas was going to be my team. And then I came out for the 2011 season opener against the Chicago Fire. Uh, Milton Rodriguez scored. Uh, Breck Shea got sent off with a red card and just kind of fell in love with the area. Fell in love with Frisco. Just 
you know, I loved it. I worked in IT. I'm in IT security. So I was looking to move. I came out again in the fall and I saw FC Dallas play the Red Bulls. I think Luke Rogers scored the winner on that one. Luke Rogers. And (laughs) I also saw them. That was the year they were playing in CONCACAF Champions League. They played against Tauro FC and a guy named Danny Cruz scored the goal in that go- that game. So this has been a while. We're talking 2011. So um, so you, the fall. You you're a big. Uh, I'm gonna say you you started with the grassroots when FC Dallas. You know, back so, then you, they weren't necessarily the best club. I mean, they they made the playoffs here and no, there. But t- to be to be fair, they had went to MLS Cup the year before. They were oh, MLS right. Cup 2010. Yeah, in yeah, Toronto, they're... the frigid, frigid cold, and was it Connor? No, uh, own goal by George John. George John. George John. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, that was fall 2011, and then May 2012, my wife and I uh, decided, you know, we didn't have any family or friends out in the Dallas area, and uh, we decided let's just go. So we uh, packed all our clothes, had a 55 inch TV, we put it in a minivan. And moved out to Frisco, and uh, man, it's been a it's been a wild ride. Best decision we ever made. Best awesome. decision. Well, it's, you're you obviously you've done this FC Dallas podcast. Oh yeah, you 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 are there every game. Yep. Uh, you're you're covering the team. I mean, currently, what are your thoughts on, on the squad, or just you know the the season in general? You know, I think it's solid. I I am not one to freak out over a few results uh, personally. Uh, the goal at the beginning of the season, after last year, when you win the Supporters' Shield, when you win the U.S. Open Cup, the next year the priority is going to be MLS Cup. It has it to is, be. It's MLS Cup or bust. Right. So that's why this year, you know, they, they've looked really good. They've looked not so good. I think it's going about how I expected to be ready for the fall. All this... Everything that's happening is gearing toward November. This team's going to be judged in November. It doesn't matter what happens in August. It's going to be what happens in November. MLS Cup is the only goal for this team. And, you know, the front office said as much. No, I mean, we had Walker Zimmerman. And what I found most interesting was he said that last season they were just content with winning a trophy. And they weren't Mm -hmm. necessarily – they didn't care which one it was. It was let's just win a trophy. Trying to get that monkey off their back. Yeah. And they ended up, I guess, doing the double. But what we were talking about in just previously before you joined us was, at the end of the day, what matters in Major League Soccer, and up until – that's today's game. I mean, maybe in 15 years this can change you know, with the growth of the league. Right. But may, MLS Cup is all that matters. Nobody cares that FC Dallas won the supporter shield besides maybe FC Dallas fan and the club. But other than that, you go around Major League Soccer, they said, well, Seattle won the MLS Cup. That's what matters. I agree. And, you know, it's, you know, when you look around other soccer leagues, you know, the League Cup, the U.S. Open Cup for us is a bigger deal in other countries. It's less of a big deal here right now. That's part of the growth of the sport. But, yeah, all that matters is, you know, in December, being up on that platform, lifting the trophy with all the confetti around you. That's the iconic image of an MLS season. And if you're not the one doing that, um, then you got to be working on trying to do that. And and that's the tough thing. Playoffs are such a crapshoot. But this team's this team's been through a lot. I I like where we're headed. And another thing about that is that like not a lot of other teams around the league are 
as hardened as this team, I, I believe. Um, I haven't just been impressed with tons of teams around the league. That probably plays into more of my confidence about FC Dallas. Well, I was going to say, with FC Dallas, I mean, with the with the national people that we've had, uh, national guys that we've had on the show, mm-hmm. FC Dallas still remains a, a smaller market team when it comes mm-hmm. just to marketing in general. Do you do you think what what do you, why do you think that is when it when it comes to everybody says well FC Dallas is successful everybody loves their academy system they love what they're doing that's great but nobody seen ESPN doesn't have, take time to talk about FC Dallas Fox Sports doesn't take time to talk about FC Dallas why is there why is there that gap are we talking about national attention or are we talking about attendance national attend uh attention, attention. Yeah. Uh, attendance is a separate issue i think that's that's i mean <laughs> yeah, a lot of markets a, across the leagues yeah. suffer and i mean look at orlando they're not the net best squad but because of location and all of that goes into behind that but national attention because the national guys that come on they love they love what fc dallas is doing but they don't care to really talk about it because it's just you know it doesn't move the needle it, it's you know those national pundits are just as fickle as fans are. I mean, it, I mean they want the star power too. I mean, you're rarely going to get a pundit that's going to say, "Hey, you know, <laughs> they they want to talk about the Dempseys and the Ladero's and the Giovinkos themselves." Right. So, um, you know, it's a style of play. You know, I liken it a lot. I liken FC Dallas a lot to like Kansas City, where kind of like a, the team is the star. The Almost the coach is a star. You would say the star of the team is almost Oscar Pereja. I'd say Kansas City is probably the same thing. Peter Vermes is pretty much the star of that team. There's this, they, it, they're two teams that have systems in places rather than the stars. In so th- that's how I see it. I, 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 a lot of similarities between Kansas City. Right, all right. Um, what about – FC Dallas, you gave a quote not too long ago to ESPN about how FC Dallas in the new stadium, they're looking to splash some cash. Mm-hmm. And you think next... So do like what DC United is doing right yes. now with like getting Ariola, uh, Zoltan, and uh, the the guy they got from the second division in Germany kind of just spend yeah. before they move into their new stadium. Got to ask for those, those rumors. Who do you think it could be and why? Oh, well, let me clarify the comment. So it wasn't just because they're moving to the new stadium. If we look back over the history of the past few years, um, they bought Carlos Grezzo for about $1.5 million reportedly. Uh, Christian Kalman was about $2 million himself. So the past two years, they've spent millions of dollars on a player. Right. So, and they, and it increased. So 1.5, then to two, and then, I'm going to go with a pattern. If, if you see a pattern in something, I'm more likely to go with it. So I'm going to suppose they're going to spend even more money, and the stadium thing is there. 2018, the Hall of Fame, all those Hall of Fame tickets they supposedly sold. Um, <laughs> that, that, that plays a factor in this. That certainly plays a factor. As far as who they would go after, uh, I don't probably know. probably some I mean, like, no-name if, Latin American guy that we don't know about, but he's probably ends up being if, really good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be an attacking type player. God, well, that's a that's a tough one. It is I a mean, tough one. It, yeah, I mean, that yeah, that's who I would bring in. I I don't know. I guess if you were gonna sell Kellen, eventually they're gonna sell Kellen. I'd probably try to get him maybe Andres Guardado. That'd to, be interesting. You know, 
similar uh, position there. Because uh, I do think there is a obviously a, a Mexican national team market that oh, can absolutely. be tapped into. Um, Guardado would be an interesting one. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think about that one a lot. I, yeah, I don't think about that one a lot. Well, you can say something. Yeah. So, uh, you think Kellen's going to be sold by the end of the year in the winter transfer window? Uh, they are going to try like hell to not sell him in August. Right. Um, a, but that has to be ran through the club, Major League Soccer, and Costa. There's three parties, in, well, four parties involved with the club, whoever is buying him. Well, see, and with Kellen, it's 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 even more complicated. You got to think about from his perspective, okay? He wants to, he would likely, well, there wouldn't be much preseason that he'd have at this point if he moved now. But there's a there's a little soccer tournament going on next summer. Yeah, I believe y'all heard of it called the World Cup. Never heard of it. So, Never heard of it. I, I, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to finally see what the the hype's all about. So nowadays, when players are moving, it's all about 2018 World Cup. And right. Kellen could he could not be on the roster, or he could be a starter on the team. So his decision right now will shape whether he's on that roster or not. Wouldn't it make so more do, sense for him to stay, though, knowing that he's going to get the starter? Because Bruce Arena, I mean, likes him. The, there's an obvious reason why he started in the Gold Cup semifinal and final, and although he, I don't think they were the best, his best performances, not even close, I think uh, he's kind of slumped of recently. But wouldn't it make more sense for 2018 to, for him to stay in Major League Soccer with a coach who does like Major League Soccer and the players? I think... If you don't, if he's not sold in August, he's not going to be sold in January. He's not going to. I don't think he's going to go join a team mid-season, and then that's even tougher to break into. And then that's your lead up to the World Cup. If he's going to go, he's going to go in August, or it's going to be the following August after the World Cup. Him moving in January for his World Cup chances makes no sense. Mm. Um, that's what I think. For him, I'm just I'm, for the, for the team. Obviously, selling him in January is ideal, but for him, he doesn't want to move in January because you're coming into a team mid-season and trying to break into that while trying to get those solid minutes to lead up to the World Cup. So if he if he wants a move, he's going to want it now. And from a player's perspective, I understand, especially with the World Cup hanging over his head. How much of a transfer fee do you think he'll fetch? Um. Depends on sell-on fees, uh, bonuses, and stuff like that. If you told me that we could have, if we got, say... Five? I would take three to four if you gave me like 50% sell-on or something like that. Huh. I would take less. I would take less money if you give me more sell-on. I mean, I have the, I have that much confidence in his potential, right. so I'd take less money for the chance that he's going to even get better and move on to another league. Say it go, does good, you know, the, the team out there has been PSV a lot. So say you sell him to PSV for three million dollars, but you keep fifty percent sell on rights, and he's great there for two years, and then say a Premier League team comes and spends ten million dollars, and you're getting half that money. That's what I would I would structure a deal, and I think I think FC Dallas should structure more, more deals like that um, with sell on and everything like that. 
Yeah, so to put it back to a national perspective, uh, mm-hmm. you we we've seen the issues when it comes to national attention. But another issue is the off the field here, specifically in Dallas. Any comments on what happened with the, with the little Twitter fiasco when you know Zeke Elliott was suspended by the NFL for six game, and then the official Twitter handle of uh, FC Dallas tweets. Now, I don't have the tweet off uh, right in front of me, but something like, "Hey, Ezekiel, we got six home games left." What's going on with FC Dallas? Because the marketing has been really, really bad from their end, and it is really starting to take its toll when it comes to this national attention that we were just talking about. So let me preface this by saying is I don't get offended by it takes a lot to offend me. When I initially read that, I didn't take it as a domestic violence joke. Um, but in this day and age, on social media, a lot of people get offended rather quickly and you know I'm not even trying to make fun of those people um, people take things differently so I could see where people would take that seriously uh, so yeah I mean that's just something you can't do and their social media team changed a lot this year so it, I think they brought in brought on even more social media conscience people um, less soccer FC Dallas diehards more social media people so I was really surprised to see that, to be honest with you. Uh, but as far as the marketing goes, is social media marketing? What is marketing when it comes to a soccer team? How do you market a soccer team? Well, I mean, for example, you see billboards in, in Atlanta. You see the purple in Orlando. Dallas, on the other hand, you walk downtown and you don't see anything of FC Dallas. You don't even know that there's a soccer team. You would never know, well, uh, you know, that – they even existed. You you could barely drive by the. You could drive on the tollway right next to it and miss the stadium. No, I, I that's that's fair. I think what FC Dallas has mo- mostly done for their marketing is just rely on their academy kids to talk to their friends. It seems like. Um, yeah, that's I mean, what that's what it feels like a lot of the time. You know, your academy. You know, the kids in your academy are pretty much just walking billboards themselves. I mean that's true, but you know when when you do take a look at Major League Soccer and you see the powerhouses of Orlando, uh, Seattle, Portland, Toronto, the New York clubs, uh, Montreal, even they were Sporting KC, you do get the sense that they're a little they are professional, and sometimes you here in Dallas and even nationally speaking, Dallas still feels like a second tier club. I feel like they're really minor league in some sorts. I mean. It's just some of the things they do, the antics they do off the field leaves me every week saying, wow, they really well, did this. Well, well, there you go. Well, then I'll toss a question back to you about this. If a Dallas soccer team was brought into MLS today as a new team, what do you think the I attendance think the hype, would be for? It? The hype would be bigger. The attendance would be greater. Now we're talking the same location. Yes, same location. I think the hype would be different because I think their stadium – I think another aspect of, of the attendance issue is how bad their stadium is. There's no roof. In 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 temperatures yeah. during the summer where they reach well above 100, and we know that, and at 8 p.m. they're still stuck in the in high 80s, low 90s. You're talking about a marketing failure from that aspect. Uh, aspect. Who wants to sit in that in that you know weather? Who wants to watch the game in that temperature when you're not even watching the the I best mean, are, players? Aren't people league? doing that at the Rangers games? Aren't they just sitting out in the sun in the middle of summer too? I mean, 
I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, you can make that argument. Rangers doing the same thing. I mean, that's why they're trying to spend what eight billion dollars on an air conditioned stadium. Right. Uh, I to me, from what I think, I think if you rebranded and it was a brand new MLS team in Dallas today, I think it would be Atlanta like. Um, and by that thought process, I think the front office is probably fractured some relationships. I've heard of fractured fractured relationships, especially with other youth soccer clubs. So due to what? Um, I, from what I know, it just and I was talking to somebody yesterday about this was that I mean they're. You're eventually you're basically poaching players. You're talking to me about I mean, if this. You, yeah, ex- I talked to you about this yeah. exactly. So, so if you're the Dallas Texans <laughs> and you you lost a kid to FC Dallas, I mean, how happy are you going to be about that? I mean, yeah, I know we talked about solidarity payments and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, how much are you willing to help out or even anything like that? I think I think FC Dallas needs to do a better job with getting better bonds with these local youth soccer clubs. I think that would be a, be a big deal. Well, I was say thank you so much for joining us. You can follow, what is your shameless? We got a yeah, little segment. I'll give you the spiel. Plug. I give it. The, yes. So at the 19th minute, uh, we're on there all the time. Uh, we have a Facebook. I honestly don't update it that much. And we also, um, we also recently did a partnership a few weeks ago with a, a website called Dallas Sports Fanatic. If you've ever heard of MavsFanatic.com, it used to be a blog that covered the Mavs. They've rebranded to cover uh, all Dallas sports, and they did not have any FC Dallas content. They found us, and uh, we're posting our podcast on, uh, on their site. Congratulations so, uh, on Sport- that. Uh, congratulations. I, I appreciate it. But yeah, DallasSportsFanatic.com, or you can hit us on, up on Twitter at the 19th minute, or I'm on Twitter too. Uh, at cool Kenny 27 I'm the fat guy in the ball kid shirt the fat guy there you go well we appreciate it it's always nice to to look at some local clubs here so we we, we definitely appreciate you uh, joining us certainly thanks certainly, Kenny certainly man I'll, I'll come back anytime It's always nice to get a uh, smaller club perspective, just a local perspective. Especially whether Kenny. It's, Kenny's a great guy, too. Yeah, Kenny's a great guy. I mean, obviously, we're based here in Dallas. But, you know, it was interesting talking to Jeff about Minnesota exactly. uh, not too long ago. Uh, and then hopefully uh, in the coming weeks, we'll get maybe somebody from, uh, what do you call it, New York or Houston? Portland, Houston. Be interesting. Are we uh, hinting at things? Yeah, maybe. Um VAR back in the headlines, and it's not necessarily for the good reasons. Controversy, lots of controversy at the game we were at last night, and we have two different perspectives because we were both at the same game. But some one of us sat in the press box, the other one sat in the crowd. So I got some gripes with that Major League Soccer and what they need to fix if they want to continue to implement VAR. So should I explain the situation or? Uh, And there's multiple other situations we get across the league. Obviously, Kaká made big headlines, but then in Houston and San Jose, there was there was something. But uh, let's let's begin with Dallas because uh, there was actually two controversial calls. First one being, which the referee got right, the Kellen Acosta dive. 
Oh, yeah. Um, horrible dive. Horrible dive. Now, let me ask you, Armand. Does the league implement some sort of suspension where they can go back to look if they dove because the Premier League has started that this season? They do have something like that, and it's not just for diving It's all or something like that. It's also for challenges and whatnot the league will go through, and they can suspend players for simulation and whatnot. So, Kellan Costa might either feel a suspension coming or his wallet will be feeling it. Yeah, Secondly, absolutely. If that would have been called a penalty, the referee would have gone back and looked. Right. He obviously dove. Now, would he have given Kellen Acosta a yellow card for I that? I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to see how, you know. But the big, big, big incident coming in the 46th minute, the like. 47th minute. 47th yeah. minute. It was, the, in the stop, it was in stoppage time of the first half. Yes. Uh, well, to put some perspective, we we'll start the play back. Just imagine a soccer field. Colorado's on the ball. Atiba Harris hits Dominique Badgie from behind. Christian Coleman takes the ball from about the 30 or 40-yard line, takes it all the way down, finds Maxi Rudy. Maxi Rudy slots it in goal, and everyone's celebrating, you know, woo, woo, scored, yeah, good job, team. And then all of a, all of a sudden, Sweet you shot. see the ref just start walking to the uh, TV, a sideline TV. And we're like, why is this being reviewed? What happened? Turns out they they waved the goal off because of the foul on by Atiba Harris on Badgie. So they, they put the ball back where Badgie was fouled. Now, I was in the box when I saw that, and I was still a little confused. You were in the stands. Give me your perspective on that. Well, okay, so I was on my phone. Of course I was. The game was boring. Right. It was trash. It was really boring between the two clubs. But up until that point, I was on my phone, but I looked up Ruji scores. But I got the sense something wasn't right because of the way the referee was acting, the way the Colorado players were standing. I was like, this is going to review. Now, I know from uh, at the NFL, every scoring uh, every scoring play is reviewed. Right. So I thought, oh, Major League Soccer does the same thing. They have to review every goal. Yeah, that's not the case. So I, I was a little bit confused. I had Armand texting me, what's going on up there? I was I was a little bit confused. Well, the referee points to the box, so we know okay, it's a review. Then he calls it back. The problem is FC Dallas did not do a good job of either putting a, a replay of the entire play, so nobody can even try to assume what happens. Nobody knows what's going on. If If something like that gets called back in the playoff game, of the conference final. It's going to be madness. It, it's it's going to be a riot. There's going to be a riot, okay? Right. There, the, the fans have absolutely no idea why the referee is calling back a goal. In 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 the NBA, there's a reason why, okay, they're getting a flagrant two. They're getting a flagrant one. Right. Okay, whatever it is. The uh, In um, NFL, Egg Hockley, the buff referee who works out seven days a week, sits there and tries to explain to you literally to the detail – Player 24 had his hand on player 6 helmet for 7 seconds. That's not allowed, blah, blah, blah. It's, MLS has an issue with not being able to explain why something it called back. And even the explanation of it, it's a little confusing if you think about it. Because why this was called back was because that was during the attacking phase of play. It was an infraction. So what is the attacking phase the of attacking play? The attacking phase of play off the uh, video review sheet that we received from the press box says that the phase of play is determined by the referee when a team starts the attacking move towards the opposition's penalty area leading up to the match-changing incident. Which is, which is crazy because VAR right then and there, you sit there and you're like, I don't... Even Colorado, I think... 
when Iruti scored, said they scored. They didn't think something would get called back. But now you're having now you're having clubs suddenly have to change their tactics. And the thing is, uh, Pablo Mastroeni after a game, uh, he told me that um, he told you personally. Yeah, yeah, he told me it's on the MLS website. If you want to read it, uh, there you go. It, shameless, shameless plug. plug. <laughs> he told me that he thought another play should have been reviewed. And I don't know if you remember, it was kind of earlier on when Badgie got pulled down by Harris in the penalty box. I don't know if you were watching it or not, but he got pulled down, and he thought that should have been reviewed. But uh, but apparently, uh, Alan Kelly said no. So I mean, even. When it went his way, they they had a little gripe with the VAR, and Oscar Perea wasn't really happy. I mean, it's the second time in two weeks that they've had a goal taken away, and at his press conference, it was just a long, like, 10, 15-second pause before he talked about it. it was, <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to get fined. It, yeah, it was... It was <laughs> he did not, he did not yeah, want to get fined. Yeah, he just even said that. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get fined. I mean, it's it's definitely changing the way how... It's changing, changing the, the way, sport completely. Yeah, it's because it would have been be- it would have been better for Iruti to hold the ball up, wait, make two or three passes, and then have scored. But still, the attacking pays a play. No, that would have it would have redirected the. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, the attacking phase of play phase stopped. Of, yeah. So you're changing the entire. How is Iruti ever supposed to know that 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 came that goal came off the attacking phase of play? Famously, the 2015 Melmas Cup. Between Portland and Columbus, remember the ball went out of bounds. The first goal scored. That, yeah. To me, that goal should have because that attacking play, the ball should have never been. That would have clearly was out of bounds. That goal would have never happened. That first one by Portland, right? When they were playing Columbus. Yeah. So to me, yes, that's when you use VAR. But something like Iruti, it's how, weird how are you going to call that back? Because. Soccer needs goals to be entertaining in America. Let's be honest. Here. This is not the Premier League where you can have an exciting zero zero. Yeah, exactly. So the implementation—I know because some of me, uh, some of my writer friends are talking about this—that taking away there. goals in a sport that needs goals is pretty dumb if you think about it. And and what what is VAR supposed to? What what are they on the sheet? What what is it? What is the definition or the reason why VAR is there so VAR is all about a clear and obvious error the on-field decision will only be overturned if the video indicates a clear and obvious error in one of the four match changing incidents so it talks about goals penalty kicks straight red cards or mistaken identity so great and and it goes the sheet goes on to explain yeah the sheet's actually really good because I don't know. I think every casual fan should have one of these. Yeah, but th- that's not what. Th- that's not how soccer is played. <laughs> I mean, here's the VAR is implemented at Major League Soccer, right? If it, what about the college game? What about USL? What about the the smaller divisions? How are you? If there, if you're training a player today and he's six, seven years old, well, VAR is completely changing how how the attacking phase of play is suddenly viewed. You suddenly have to start worrying about, well, I know my player just fouled that guy. I'm not going to counterattack because my goal is going to be taken, care, uh, taken off. But it's all judgmental. So if the, guy, if the referee looks at the video and says, okay, that wasn't a foul, the goal will stand. Well, then, then you've got to start asking what's a foul and what's not rather than just leaving the, the – the... My, my, my entire thing for VAR should be uh, for um, – Instant replay post match, so the diving on that, I love that. Goals. 
you have goal line technology. That's good. That's easy. It takes within two seconds. Olivier Giroud against uh, Leicester City. Literally took two seconds for the referee to say, yes, it was a goal. Giroud was looking at him like, was it a goal? Was it in? I thought it went in. Uh, Peter Spash Michael takes the ball out. No, the referee knew it was in. It was in. Great. Spain and France a couple uh, months ago had an instant replay where a goal was looked was looked back to see if it was offside. I like that. Okay, if if what they should see is they're going too far and too deep quickly with no, this. No, I, I agree with I agree with that. I agree with I agree with that they're going too deep, especially with the attacking phase of play and whatnot. I think it is too broad of a spectrum, but. I think also um, it's 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 interesting. I mean, mistaken idea, like mistaken idea. That's okay too. Sure, that's easy. The referee at the top of the stadium or wherever he is in the press box could have a little private corner, a little closet. Nobody can disturb him. It will be locked, so nobody can go pay him. It's actually to... uh, blocked by security guards. Is it really? Yeah, blocked by security guards, so no, there's no tampering. Great. He could sit there and be like to the the middle guy, hey. You know, carded the wrong guy. Takes 15, 20 seconds to fix. Penalty kick. I understand because now with the diving and, and with everything being so controversial, yes, I understand why you would take that and look back there. Famously, was it the World Cup when when Holland played uh, Mexico? Yeah, with Robin. Yeah, Robin. Like, you know, if that would have been reviewed, probably the outcome would have been a little bit different. I don't know if he would have gotten the PK. Right. But the attacking phase of play, you're changing the game completely. How can you... How has MLS come in and say, we're changing the style of game? FIFA is going to look at them and be like, wait a minute, this is not good. The Premier League is not going to want to implement My this. My problem is it's coming in midseason. I don't think it should have been implemented midseason. I think we should have waited until the 2018 season. Because now you're just confusing everybody. Oscar Pereja said in his press conference, they just want clarity. They don't know what's going on. They just want clarity. And for the second time in a the row, they've been they've had a goal taken away. It's it just it needs it needs more work, and we saw the need for clarity in Orlando City and New York with Kaká. Yes, let's and, let's let's talk about let's the talk other about instances, that. other Cause incidences. Because that, that one, I think, it isn't as mass changing, but it's almost as bizarre. Well, because it happened in like the, the fourth minute, minute, or actually the ninety seventh minute of the second half. So it was it was at the end of the game. Game was over. But imagine if this was the 45th minute, say right before the second half started right. or the end of first half. So Kaká was shown a red card following a bizarre you know, video review into stoppage time against uh, the New York Red Bulls. So as, as time was winding down, uh, the Red Bulls were up 3-1. They had uh, – the ball went out of bounds. And, you know, the Orlando guy got up. New York Red Bull came and clashed. I don't remember who. But Kaká, you know, they, they got together. Well, Kaká famously, you know, famously jokingly put his hands around the mouth. Of Aurelian uh, and Colin. Yes, Colin. And they were, you know. They were teammates. Teammates. Past, past teammates. And they're laughing about it. Abs- you know, they're joking off the incident. It's the end of the game. Game was over, you know. They're what, laughing, smiling, you know. So, you know, the referee points to VAR and then looks back to check, gives the two yellow cards out, and... You know, red card came out for Kaká. And you're sitting going like, wait a minute, what's going on? It was for the hands to the face. Hands to the face. And was it Jermaine Jones in the 2016 Copa America quarterfinal against 
It was in Seattle. I don't remember who Ecuador. they played. Ecuador. But he put his hands barely his – he just barely put his hands on somebody's head. I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, like, hey, man. Like, you know, it was friendly. It was a friendly hand on head. And he got a red card for that. Right. And they made a new rule. You can't put – no matter what, you can't put your hand on somebody's head. Well, if that's the rule, then the ref did his job. No, the ref – again, the referee did his job. But the VAR came back and changed that. And they they gave him the red. And gave Kaka the red. Do you think it was a warranted red? Yeah, just I – I mean, according to the rule laws of the game, yes. But the referee should realize and understand the situation that he is in. And again, this is – but that's not a VAR thing. The thing is, VAR gives a referee an opportunity to make a judgment call. But if, he was checking back to the prior foul in the collision – between the players after the ball was whistled dead. Right. It's but it's a judgment call. And what Howard Webb mentioned is that I'm, no, I'm by no means am I a huge fan of VAR, but I'm just telling you what I know. Howard Webb he says it multiple times throughout his little uh, YouTube video Spiel. he made. It's up to the referee to decide if they want to take the video assistant referee's advice. It's up to them. So it's not all the the video the video allows the referee to look back, but it's still gonna be Alan Kelly or who was referee the other game Toledo or all these guys. It's all gonna be their, their decisions. It's not gonna it's not it's not the video it's not like the video uh, referee is like all right yeah this is a definite red card uh, he's gone and the ref has to do it the ref have ref has an option. Honestly, I completely misinterpreted how they said it, but the ref has an option to implement it or not. If that makes any sense. No, not, not at all. Okay. So no, I'm just messing with you. Yes, it makes sense. But what <laughs> I'm saying, it doesn't make sense to the laws of the game. Where soccer is that free-spirited, you know, yeah, referees are going to make mis- mistakes. I think video replay, like I said, offsides or not. Anytime a ball goes across the goal line, and if somebody scores, they check to see if it's offsides. And if it was offside, call, call it back. Simple. Penalty kicks. Yes. Mistaken identity, yes. Okay. Red card? Do you think red card should be reviewed? Uh, I mean, what what are you talking about? Red card for what? I mean, if a ref gives you a straight, if a ref gives you a straight red card, it. I mean, the referees are referees. They're professionals, just like players are. They know what they're doing. Yes, the referee will make mistakes, but that's a beautiful thing about sports. So, what's the point of having VAR? I think for that's a good question. So what, what's, what's the point but to of me, it's, if... it's the goals because the goals matter that much more. Maybe red cards. You could probably even throw in red cards. Maybe after a year, you throw in the red card implementation to to see how it works. But the idea of soccer is it comes back to to what we discussed uh, with the NBC Sports package and, and why Major League Soccer has an advantage across any other uh, sport here in America is it's only a ninety minute game. You know what you're getting for ninety minutes, right? You're not getting anything more or anything less. The same thing with the Premier League. That's why soccer, the Champions League, everybody knows. In the central time, the game starts at 1.45. It starts on time, unlike any other leagues. It starts on the on the, the right time, and it ends by 3.30, 3.40, depending on uh, stoppage time. Stoppage breaks, time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that. Breaks. So it, it comes down to that. And your VAR and with the controversy of FC Dallas and the Kaka thing. Now Kaka thing is a little bit different, but especially the the FC Dallas incident. If this was Seattle versus 
Toronto, this would be a lot bigger deal. Well, yeah, the stakes are higher compared to what we're, what we're doing right now. I think VAR is not essential, but I think it is needed because we need to come up with the times and whatnot. But I mean, we saw that it's going to be a it's going to be a, a growing it's going to be a growing process. We're going to have some pain in between. It, it's definitely interesting. I I so far I do not like it and. To, to the reaction of the crowd, nor do they. Oh, they were booing all day. It's the loudest I've ever heard that crowd. It's the loudest that that stadium has been in a long time. Probably a whole year. Oh, we're mean. <laughs> we are mean. Hey, thanks to Kenny Price for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. We got a midweek show coming up, so stay in, tune in a couple cool days for that. Cool guest coming in, too. Yes, we'll talk a little MLS transfers for sure and uh, plenty more. So like thanks for listening. I like this music. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.